New York's Attorney General sues the NRA in an attempt to dismantle the organization. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo begs the wealthy to return to New York City. While New York Mayor Bill de Blasio says, who cares, stay away, we'll replace you with someone else. Hi, I'm Jamie Dury from National Preview Online. Please subscribe to our podcast, NP Online. You can find us under that moniker in the iTunes App Store or on your Apple Podcast app. You can also go to podbean.com, our hosting service, and find us there. Please also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nationalpreviewonline, and you can visit our website at nationalpreviewonline.com. If you'd like to join us on the show by way of asking a question or posing a topic for discussion, we encourage you to do so. Please feel free to email us directly at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. Tell your friends about us. Rate the app, and we'll grow, and you'll grow with us. So, before we get to that little teaser I let off with at the beginning of the show, I want to remind everybody that this is Thursday, so we are uh, embarking on our fourth installment of the week um, as I began to lay out the plan that the left uh, had in terms of foisting their socialist agenda on this country. Actually, I stand corrected. This will be our third installment. We didn't do a podcast yesterday, but we're doing one today. And we spoke quite a bit about these things on the first two days. The big thing the left is very good at using is fear and intimidation. Although they don't call it that, but that's exactly what it is. Uh, They usually champion free speech by stifling free speech at the same time. That's the epitome of what you see with Antifa. There was a hearing conducted in the Senate the other day by Ted Cruz on his committee, and you had uh, the senator from Hawaii, Hirono, who's about as liberal as they come, said we should denounce all hate speech, but when prompted by the senator, refused to denounce Antifa, as did every other Democrat on the committee. No one uh, felt obligated to specifically denounce Antifa. And make no mistake about it, Antifa is stifling free speech. Antifa is a domestic terrorist organization. It is intimidating people on college campuses, and this intimidation is not simply limited to the student body. It is affecting the professors as well. Any professor who voices a contrary view will be vilified, protested against, and in some cases physically attacked. The students now, the inmates, are running the asylum, not the academics. This is a very sad thing. They won't invite conservative uh, speakers to prevent an uh, alternative viewpoint to the students because they're afraid of protests. So when you only hear one voice, uh, things get out of control pretty quickly. Now, aside from Antifa, look what fear and intimidation, based on the false premise of it all being for the common good, has wrought us this year, particularly in the blue states where they've really run amok with this. Everybody's being intimidated to wear a mask. If you don't wear one, you get vilified by people. Now, they can say, even if they want to, that it may be voluntary in some places, but they then put restrictions on stores, businesses, and other places to say, if you don't wear a mask, um, you can't come in. And if you allow someone to come in without a mask, you're going to get fined. So once that entity feels they're going to be fined or pay a price, for allowing someone to come in without a mask, 
um, pretty soon you're not allowed to go anywhere. This is sort of what they did to people who smoke, in case you haven't followed that. You know, this is a, a show where we deal with national issues, but it's great to be able to focus on certain things in New York State because it's such a perfect paradigm for what the rest of the country can and will look like uh, if we proceed down the road with this philosophy and we have a uh, different president uh, elected in November if Donald Trump should not win re-election. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he will be re-elected, but if he doesn't get re-elected, this is what's in store for you. Using the smoking analogy, smoking is still legal in New York City. It's legal to buy tobacco products. Perfectly legal. You could buy cigars. You could buy cigarettes, pipe tobacco. You name it. Only problem is, through regulation, uh, they pretty much made it illegal for you to use those products anywhere. You can't smoke in a public park, although people smoke marijuana in public parks all the time. You can't smoke within 50 feet of the entrance of a building. And if you've ever been to Manhattan, you know it's pretty difficult not to be within 50 feet of an entrance of some building. You can't smoke in the workplace. You can't smoke in a restaurant. You can't smoke in a bar. And now they're trying to make it so that you can't even smoke in your own home. If you live in a multiple dwelling, even if it's a co-op or a condo where you actually own the space you live in, they're now using the specious argument that you're responsible for the migration of your smoke. So they're going to find a way to not allow you to use it. Now, my position is, if you're selling me something that's legal, and then you make it illegal for me to use it after I bought it, that should be illegal. That's a shakedown. That's exactly what's being done in New York City. Well, they're going to do the same thing with this COVID-19 nonsense. They may not come out and out say that you have to wear a mask, but they're going to put enough pressure on other business entities and living entities to make it pretty much essential that you wear a mask or you're not going to be able to conduct your daily life. They've been able through this intimidation not only to get everyone to wear a mask, they were able with very little resistance to get everybody to stay at home through the propagating of fear. They got everyone to close their businesses. They got everyone to stay away from church. And after people got tired from, for staying away from church, they compelled them to stay away from church by threatening to sanction the churches. People were allowed to go to mosques, though. That was not a problem. They are allowed to go. No big deal. All's fair, right? So what's going to happen when they come up with a vaccine? <laughs> well, you don't think you're going to have a choice in that, do you? First of all, I never take vaccines. I don't take the regular flu vaccine, and I'm not going to take a COVID-19 vaccine, and I don't recommend anybody else do either. First of all, this thing's being hurried along, and despite the best intentions of some companies to get it out there quickly, I don't know how safe it's going to be. That's number one. Number two, I don't know how safe any vaccine is, um, not because I'm worried about it being contaminated with things, but um, very often they use the virus in a weakened state so that your body can defeat it. And some people actually get the virus as a result of taking a vaccine. But there's been so many other things going on lately that I begin to get very, very concerned um, when they say they're going to mandate the vaccine. 
So I don't know what else they're putting in this vaccine or what the powers that be are planning to put in this vaccine uh, that may have a function or a purpose beyond uh, protection against the COVID-19 virus. So I'm always justifiably skeptical about the actions of government. As Ronald Reagan once famously said on, uh, once famously said, he said it on numerous occasions, but he always said, one of the most frightening series of words you can ever hear in the English language is, hi, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Whenever you hear those words, you should brace yourself for what's coming next. Now, they can do the same thing with vaccines to get you to take it, the way they're doing it with masks. A lot easier, too. Want to go fly someplace? Oh, uh, can you, do you have your vaccine card, sir? Ma'am, did you get your COVID-19? You didn't? Sorry, you can't board the plane. Yes, sir. Uh, Want to come and dine? Do you have your uh, vaccination card? What's that? You, don't, you didn't take the vaccine? Sorry, your reservation's canceled. You can't eat here. Want to come and shop for food? What's that? You don't have a vaccination card? Sorry, you can't shop. So it's going to be the same thing as they do with smoking. And you know this is true. You can see it in New York City. They've done it very effectively here. They've made it virtually impossible for you to smoke anywhere. You're like a wandering nomad walking on the city streets on a sidewalk in the middle of nowhere to smoke a cigarette. You can't even sit in the comfort of your own home because you're responsible for the migration of your smoke. So they're going to make sure that every social uh, activity that you need to undertake in order to live your life, shopping for food, travel, so forth and so on, is going to require you to have gotten the vaccine. All the while, they're going to say, oh, you don't have to take it. You just don't have to eat either because you're not going to be allowed to go shopping and you're not going to be allowed to go into a restaurant or travel and so forth and so on. So intimidation is a very, very effective tool, and the left uses it extremely effectively. No surprise there. But as soon as someone else tries to call for equal time or free speech, that's, that's stifling other viewpoints. See, it's okay to stifle people who are starving for a little bit of solace and comfort in their worship of God as they choose to do so, which is guaranteed under the Constitution. Um, it's okay for those people to be prohibited from doing so. But it's stifling when people who want to protest, who are doing nothing more than pillaging, robbing, and plundering, uh, want to do We can't stifle that. Oh, no, heaven forbid. Not surprisingly, people are afraid of this increase in violence that we see in New York City and Portland and other places in Chicago. And so first-time gun buyers going through the roof, and people who already have some guns are buying more because people now realize that the police can no longer protect them because the environment is such that the police can't even protect themselves. They're barely keeping their heads above water. So now the task to defend your family and yourself and your loved ones falls to you. So gun ownership is going through the roof. The NRA is getting increased membership, prompting the New York Attorney General to sue the NRA. New York Attorney General is suing the NRA in an attempt to dismantle it. Now, there are certain things that are just foolish, there are certain things that are stupid, and there are certain things that are just asinine. In a climate where you have rising violence and people buying guns in response to that violence, 
And the debate already solidified where the left is anti-gun, Democratic Party stands for anti-gun, and the Republican Party stands for protecting the Second Amendment rights, at least with most representatives and senators. Why would you ever undertake, in one of the most popular states in the country, a lawsuit against the NRA in an election year? Do you think that's the proper message to send when you're trying to unseat President Trump? Do you think that by telling people, we're going to take your guns here in New York, and basically if we get elected, you can expect the rest of the guns in the country to follow suit, we're going to go after you? You think that's smart? That's about as idiotic as you get. But stupid is as stupid does. It didn't stop uh, Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, from doing just that. In the highest court of the land, she filed suit in New York State Supreme Court, the uh, highest court in New York State, rather, um, a lawsuit against the NRA. The NRA was quick to defend themselves. They've countersued in federal court. I suspect the NRA will prevail. But this was a dumb move, but it's also a dangerous move. Dangerous for those of us who value our lives and value the lives of our loved ones. But this is what's happening here. But the comedy just doesn't stop in New York State. It really doesn't. And you really have to look at what's happening here. And that's all you have to do is look at what's happening here. Look at what's happening in other places like California and Michigan, but especially in New York. Because New York, you have the quintessential examples of idiocy. You have idiots at all levels of government. You have an idiot and an ill-advised person as the attorney general. You have a dumb mayor in the city of New York, and you have a completely benighted governor sitting up in Albany. So while all this is going on with the rising crime and people being forced to wear masks and the, the hypocrites like the governor going out to Georgia not wearing a mask, coming back to New York State not quarantining himself for 14 days like he's mandating everyone else to do, um, with Dr. Fauci going out there throwing the pitch at the first baseball game for the Washington Nationals and not wearing the mask while um, besieging other, uh, you know, uh, exhorting, rather, other people to do so. With all this hypocrisy going on, the governor now, he's upset that the wealthy have left New York City. Now, why would the wealthy leave New York City? Just because they have the wherewithal and the means to do so and the place has become a sewer? Uh, with crime rampant everywhere and homeless people camping out in front of wealthy homes and condominiums on Park Avenue? Why would they ever leave just simply because they can afford to do so? Well, they have left, Governor. And now he's exhorting them to come back. He's begging them to come back. Please come back. I'll buy you a drink. I'll cook. Come over. This is how desperate he's getting to get people to come back to New York. Why? Because New York City is suffering a shrinking tax base. There's a New York City income tax, a surcharge if you live here. But if you have a home in the Hamptons, you can make that your primary residence. You don't have to pay New York City a goddamn dime. And that's what people are doing. And the revenue stream in New York City is drying up. And it's drying up rather quickly because not only do people in New York City pay that extra tax, when those wealthy people are in New York City, they spend quite a bit of money here. They shop here, buy clothes here go out to dinner here, go to shows here. They do all of these things. Except that not many people are going to dinner anymore. Uh, not to digress, but as a related matter, uh, outdoor dining is continuing in New York City. Uh, they say that they may continue it. Originally, it was supposed to be till the end of October. If the weather permits, they may go a little further with the outside dining. And they're going to bring it back 
uh, in the spring of next year, probably in June. Uh, but uh, this talk, they may bring it back earlier if weather permits. Now, this is interesting. In politics, there used to be a man that used to be on that show, the McLaughlin Group, years ago. His name was Jack Dremond. He was a, um, a newspaper columnist. He was a rather rotund man, but he had some uh, pretty good common sense in a lot of areas. And he once spoke about the third ear you need in politics. You need to hear what one side is saying, what the other side is saying, and what nobody is saying. And what nobody is saying, as far as I can tell with this restaurant business here in New York City, is they're telling us when the outdoor dining may end for the season and then it may be extended. They're telling us pretty much when it may begin again in 2021 and that may be moved up so it begins a little sooner. But they're not telling us anything about what's going to be happening in between. So what I speculate is going to happen, and I'm sure most of you have already surmised this, there's going to be no dining. They're going to choke these restaurants off, either by design or by a natural byproduct of this action. But they're intent on milking this virus thing for all they can, and they're not going to allow people to go back inside and dine, which means that once the outside dining has gotten too cold for people to go, and regardless of what the, make no mistake, regardless of what the government does, they could say, well, as far as we're concerned, you can outside dine to December 31st. Do you really think elderly people or most people are going to sit outside in frigid weather to eat their food, getting ice cold the minute it's brought out because of the frigid temperatures? Coffee that becomes ice coffee within two minutes once it's served? Nobody's going to stand for that. So even if they allow it, nobody's going. So now what are these restaurants supposed to do? Who's going to bankroll them in the dry months of November? December, January, February, March, and probably a significant portion of April. That's six months. Where are they supposed to get this money? Where are they supposed to get this money to survive? Where are people going to go for diversions? People get frustrated. They sit home. An idle mind's a devil's workshop. What's going to happen? And against the weight of all this, the governor is begging people to return to New York City, but he's giving him no reason whatsoever to come back. Now, not to be outdone by Governor Doolittle, Mayor Dooless couldn't wait to weigh in. Now, he maintains that some of the wealthy will return, and some won't. He says, that's always happened. We don't care. He says, they will be replaced by new people coming in in equal numbers, and then some. People have always left New York, and new people have always come in. Well, that's true. But in this case, the people who are coming in to replace the people who have left I do not think are going to be the sort of people with the wherewithal and the wealth of the people who are leaving. Undoubtedly, there will be more welfare recipients, more third world people, and more illegal immigrants in this ever burgeoning sanctuary city, uh, which will do nothing to close the revenue gap, but will only widen it. But Mayor de Blasio steadfastly maintains, we don't make policies based on the wealthy few. Well, Mayor, you'd better damn well start, because in case you didn't know, uh, the top 40,000 households in the city of New York, a city of 8 million people, the top 40,000 households, pays 50% of all New York City income tax. Now, I have long said, what is the city going to do if even 10,000 of those households, which is nothing in a population of 8 million, 
If even 10,000 of those households decide to make their household someplace else and leave the city of New York, that would mean a 12% loss in revenue. Because if 40,000 households pay 50% of all New York City taxes and 10% is 10,000 is 25% of 40,000. That means their share of that 50% is 12%. That's a 12% loss in revenue. Where are they going to make it up? They're going to tax the remaining wealthy a little more so that more of them leave? Because that's what's being proposed. And the governor, uh, I guess he's, he's pretty stupid, but he's not that stupid, but he can't realize that the more they tax him, the, the more the wealthy are going to leave. So he's pushing back on this. He doesn't want to see it happen. But this is what's going on. So the, the comedy just grows here. Now, if you think this is a good thing, if you think everything I've just said, if you think it's fine to dine outside, even into November, not be allowed to dine inside, not to be allowed to get married. I mean, you can have a marriage in June. A June wedding outside is wonderful, but not everybody gets married in June. Some people get married in the off months because they save a little money. Uh, I don't think you want to get married outside in December or February or January or March. What are you supposed to do? What are these catering halls supposed to do? How do we do a wedding for 250 people outdoors in January? Unless they're all going to Florida to get married. But you can't do that because there's a 14-day quarantine when you come from New York, and there's a 14-day quarantine when you get back to New York. So you have to put aside a month if you want to get married for a day, you have to put aside a month. This is the genius of liberals. So, my final thought to you on this third installment, we'll be hopefully broadcasting again tomorrow with another podcast, is if you think this is fine, if you think no inside dining indefinitely, only dining outside forever is good, if you think that wearing a mask wherever you go, like Jesse James, is acceptable, if you think compulsion through intimidation to take a vaccine that may not be safe or that you may not want to take is acceptable, if you think being told that you can't protect yourself because they're going to try and dismantle the only only organization uh, in this country which stands between you and confiscation of your firearms, if you think that's acceptable, if you think all these things are acceptable, not being able to go to church is acceptable, and let us not forget fines and suspensions of liquor licenses of restaurants and bars for violation of social distancing uh, guidelines, while no enforcement action is taken against any protester. In fact, even when they do these trackings, have you been in any place where you may have encountered the coronavirus? You're not allowed to ask them if they've been at a protest. So if you think all this is acceptable, then I'm going to make the election for you easy. Just vote for senile old Joe Biden and just click everything in that Democratic row. And you'll have all of this and more. And you'll have it in all 50 states. But if you're the kind of person that still thinks that you'd like a little freedom, that you'd like to be able to go to church on Sunday and commune with God, that you'd like to be able to smoke in the comfort of your own home and not worry about the migration of your smoke, that you'd like to open your business and not have it closed while other people uh, 
have free reign to break into your closed business and take anything they want from it. If you'd like to be free from having to take a vaccine, if you'd like to be able to own a firearm to protect yourself when someone comes to take that which you've worked your whole life to acquire, if you basically want to live the American life we've all come to know and love, then there's a different choice. You vote for a return of the man who's in the White House now. Donald Trump is not a perfect human being, and I don't think Donald Trump would tell you he's a perfect human being. But Donald Trump is a man for the times. He's the right man in this crisis because he's the only one with the cojones to stand up to those who would destroy this country. And those people are not simply external enemies. They're enemies from within. And the primary form of those enemies come with a big D before the ballot when they run. The Democratic Party is not the Democratic Party you once knew. It is now the single greatest internal threat to the national sovereignty, liberty, and continued existence of the United States of America as we know it. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.